Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my co-host, Yazan, with me. How you doing, bro? You're doing pretty well, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. You know, just uh, soaking it all in with our early trade deadline talk that we're going to go through in just a second. But I know we're months away from the trade deadline, but we got ourselves a blockbuster to discuss. I was actually thinking of doing um, our first emergency podcast episode, but I thought it'd be better just to discuss it on schedule so that we have a few days to digest. Yeah, yeah, I definitely needed a couple of days to digest this one for sure. Um, I don't know if my brain is completely wrapped around it, but we're going to talk about it. For sure. Anyways, like we mentioned, we'll dive into the trade and give you all the scoop. You know what's good. Drop the beat. We got ourselves a massive elephant in the room to discuss this week. One of the earliest blockbuster trades we've seen in the regular season history, and that is the James Harden being sent off in a four-team trade to the Brooklyn Nets. It's going to get kind of messy as to what the exchange was, so I'm going to try my best ability to break this down by team. So, the Brooklyn Nets received James Harden from the Rockets, as well as a 2024 second-round pick from the Cleveland Cavaliers. On the flip side, the Nets have traded Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Prince, Kuruks, three first-round picks in 2022, 2024, 2026, and four pick swaps in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. In other words, there's going to be a few middle schoolers that are going to be traded, but, you know, we'll get to that in a second. The second team, the Rockets, they received Dante Exum. The Rockets actually then traded away Karis LeVert to the Indiana Pacers for Victor Oladipo, and in addition to that, they traded Prince and Jared Allen to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But we thought it was a two-team trade. No, it was a four-team trade. There's two more teams we need to discuss here. The third team, the Cavaliers, they received Jared Allen and Tareen Prince, as we mentioned. And then lastly, the Pacers received Karis LeVert and a second-round pick, and they trade away Victor Oladipo, which was a shocker to me, and which we'll discuss later on as part of the trade. Now, damn, that's what you call a package package. I don't know if it's just me, but this seems like something I would cook together in an NBA trade machine, but I'm still shocked as to how this really happened. So, Yezin, what are your thoughts on the trade? I know it's kind of messy in regards to how we broke it down, but who do you think won and who do you think lost? Yeah, that was a mouthful, my friend. Take a break. Um, Yeah. Ice up, son. Ice up. You said said it kind of best. You know, this is a trade you would cook together in, in the trade machine in 2K. 2K would reject this deal. 2K would think this is a dumb deal. 2K would remove you from the GM mode and probably expel you from the game for this deal. <laughs> this for deal is, is unbelievable. Um, it's very reminiscent to the 2013, no, 2012 trade uh, for Kevin Garnett and um, Paul Pierce to form that giant big four or whatever you want to call it in Brooklyn. They really mortgaged their future uh, to win a championship with those guys. And a lot of those picks ended up being uh, one of them became Damian Lillard. The other one became Jason Tatum and one, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Brown. So a lot of those guys that they traded who at that time were probably middle schoolers ended up becoming real genuine NBA superstars. The difference is, though, this isn't an over the hill James Harden. This is a, you know, in his prime 
James Harden. Uh, James Harden pulled the wool over all of our eyes with the fat suit. I'm pretty sure he wore a fat suit like the Nutty Professor um, because when he debuted in Brooklyn, my man was looking slim. He was looking healthy. He looked happy. So I, I, I think he, he, find a way, he found a way to weasel his way to Brooklyn uh, to play with his guy KD. Uh, you know, what the Rockets got in, in return, I mean, they got a huge bounty. I mean, three first-round picks, four first-round pick swaps, which at first glance you might think, oh, well, they're not going to need them because the, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be great forever. That's not necessarily true, especially because those pick swaps go up until 2027. You know, at that time, you know, KD will be in his 40s. All of them will be in their 40s and, and washed. And at that time, you know, those picks might be very valuable, as we saw with Brooklyn uh, when they traded with the Celtics. So, you know, this was an all-in move for Brooklyn. They had it in their hands. It was really, you know, right there for the taking. And they got the best scorer in the NBA right now, arguably one of the best scorers in history. And it pains me to see that across the river, they have a championship caliber team. Uh, and you know, it's, it's going to be a rough season for me to watch. Uh, but yeah, they got themselves quite the player. I'm, I'm sure they're okay with mortgaging everything if it means getting a championship or two. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Yeah. Um, I really like the trade for Brooklyn. I do see that obviously they have sacrificed depth, but when you're bringing in a bonafide superstar who can also share the point guard duties and can also get his own bucket, I mean, sky's the limit as to where this team will go. The only real issue I could potentially see is how those superstars will gel on the court. I know some people will say that, you know, there's three players and one basketball I'm not a really big fan of this argument. These guys are hoopers, and I believe they'll always find a way to make it work. So far, we've seen, you know, KD and Harden gel quite well in Harden's debut, so to speak. In addition, with this move that they've made, I feel like this is a smart move from a front office perspective to guarantee the Nets to have two superstars active on the floor at all times, just in case one goes down to injury or goes MIA like Kyrie, which we'll get into in a moment. As for the Rockets, I do like the move in acquiring Oladipo. Obviously, pairing him with John Wall makes them arguably the fastest backcourt in the NBA. And in addition to that, from a front office perspective, it really gives the Rockets an opportunity to evaluate the option of extending Oladipo or just keeping the cap space with the plethora of draft picks and swaps moving forward into a future rebuild. As for the Cavs, I don't know what the hell they're doing, to be honest, with three bigs and Allen, Drummond, and JaVale McGee, but I'm sure they're going to be in the seller's market once teams are looking for bigs in the trade deadline. Yeah, and you then lastly, collect, collect assets, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what the Cavs are trying to do, but again, I don't, I don't see the value in it, especially with Drummond's massive deal, but I'm sure one, of the, one or two of them will get moved. And then lastly, the, for the Pacers, I feel like it was a lateral move at best. But I feel like they've gotten worse because obviously with, you know, Levert's situation, the physical that, you know, they're able to conduct, they found a mass in his kidney, which made him go out indefinitely. So at this point, looking back, the Pacers have somewhat regressed. So with that being said, do you think that changes the outlook of your championship prediction now that the, you know, the trade has completed and James Harden is now a Brooklyn Net? I mean, yeah, so going back to this whole argument that you were talking about with, you know, there's only one basketball for three hoopers. They made it work in OKC. OKC was a very similar situation to what, uh, you know, Brooklyn is right now. They had the same two players that we mentioned, uh, you know, Kyrie and and, um, 
and Russell Westbrook, different kind of games. You know, Kyrie's more of a dribbler and, uh, you know, Westbrook is more of a, just a shot, just puts up shots. Um, but, you know, you had a guy like uh, Serge Ibaka, who is kind of uh, in, in the mold of DeAndre Jordan. Uh, so they're very comparable in that sense. So I, I don't fear that they're not going to have enough basketballs around there. Um, depth will, I think, be an issue for sure. Um Outside of their starting five, uh, you know, those three plus Jordan and Jeff Green, there aren't really any discernible names. Spencer Dinwiddie is hurt. He's out for the whole year, so he won't be there. Uh, And outside of them, I mean, you you have a lot of guys, Joe Harris, you know, some guys here and there that that could produce. But, you know, will they be called on to have a a larger role is going to, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, Does it change my championship outlook? It definitely changes the playoff outlook in the East. I know I had uh, Brooklyn in the top four. I think now they're the favorite to win the East, uh, unfortunately. Uh, you know, they when you have the two greatest scorers in the league right now in James Harden and Kevin Durant, uh, throw in a Kyrie Irving who is still in the prime of his career, still under the age of 30, uh, can still just absolutely take over a game, take over a series, assuming he comes back, um, you know, that team is now the favorite in the East. I think you're going to see have them go against uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee definitely, you know, prepared for something like this uh, and, and stocked up. You're going to see, we haven't seen the, the Boston Celtics fully healthy yet. Kemba Walker just came back and Jason Tatum just went down. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see them, you know, go up against them. Philadelphia, I think with a hopefully rejuvenated Ben Simmons, now that he was almost cast away to, to Houston. I mean, his agent informed him like, be prepared for a trade and he it was almost there for him so maybe that lights a fire under him to to really perform so uh i think brooklyn has what it takes to get out of the east i think they're definitely have what it takes to win a championship chemistry i'm not that concerned about because harden and katie already kind of know each other are good friends so uh it just it's gonna come down to their depth it's gonna come down to who's taking the last shot uh so we're gonna have to see so it definitely puts them up there for me (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely going to be the next topic of uh, barbershop talk. Who's going to take the last shot in Brooklyn, right? First, it's like, who's the GOAT? Now, who's going to take the last shot in Brooklyn? So time will tell. We'll see as to how things progress with the Brooklyn Nets. From my point of view, if the Nets win a championship, frankly, for me, I don't think that's enough. I feel like they need to win multiple championships with this core in order for the entire package to be worth it, in my honest opinion. When it comes to you know, the Brooklyn Nets history, they've been broken as a franchise before, like you mentioned with the trade for a wash, Paul Pierce, Garnett and Jason Terry, which ultimately helped the Celtics formulate their two young stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The real question is, can they win multiple championships? My answer is if all their guys ain't on the floor, which segues to our next topic, what the hell's going on with Kyrie? Um, then frankly, they may not be in a good position to win multiple championships for years to come. Obviously, there's a short window in terms of their primes. I think both, if not three of them, are in their 30s now, in their early 30s, rather. So there's obviously an urgency based off what the front office has done in order to win multiple championships. Now, getting on to our second topic, talking about our third of the third musketeer, which is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, once again, has been missing in action over the last several days or weeks, rather, due to personal reasons, which people have assumed was due to the events which we discussed last week with regards to social injustice. However, he was caught live celebrating his sister's 30th birthday at a club with no mask. 
The league ultimately investigated it and fined Kyrie Irving for violating the health and safety protocols. With that being said, what are your thoughts as to what Kyrie is doing? And do you think this will hurt the Nets in the near future? Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, Kyrie was also caught on a Zoom call uh, for a, uh, I want to say someone running for a pro- public office in New York, uh, which is, is mind boggling. The Nets were playing at the time he was on this Zoom call, uh, which yes. you know, begs the question as to, you know, does Kyrie really care about basketball? Um, he's made a good living. He's made a ton of money. Uh, he's always kind of been a free spirit. He's always been a, a unique personality for sure. Seeing him not on the floor with his, with his team, it definitely does raise some concerns. I know Stephen A. Smith had said Kyrie should retire. I don't think it's to that level. I think Kyrie's just his own person. But I'm also looking at this, and there is a little bit of a, a conspiracy going around here. Let's, let's put on our tinfoil hats for a second that both Kyrie and James Harden tanked their trade value uh, in preparation for this deal to go through. Let me, let, me, let me explain. Oh, boy. So James Harden, as we saw in Houston, looked like old boy was hitting the strip club and was, was hot wing Harden, you know? Like he, he had a, you know... Looking like dope looking like a dope, looking like Rick Ross, looking like thick Rick Ross, you know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> Maybach music. Maybach. He he didn't look great, and you know people. We even talked about. It. We thought you know maybe maybe he's just not feeling it. Maybe he's not into it. Kyrie, on the other hand, you know looks completely disinterested in basketball. Possibly made himself look like a basket case, like something that a team won't want to sort of risk trading for, and that might have shifted the gears to make that deal uh, without Kyrie. You know, KD was the only one off limit up until that trade. If if you've read reports that the Nets were willing to trade anyone except for KD. So Kyrie was on the table. And you have to believe that the Houston Rockets must have thought to themselves, if Kyrie is on the table for James Harden, we want Kyrie Irving. He's still 28 years old. He's an upgrade over John Wall easily. He's one of the premier players in the league. You have to think that that's who they really, really wanted. But I think with Kyrie kind of going MIA a little bit and not necessarily knowing what he wants to do in basketball or can't be trusted or something, that maybe might have scared Houston off a little bit. So that's the conspiracy floating around. I don't know how much I buy into it. Kyrie's always kind of been his own dude, you know, like he's the whole flat earther stuff and the, you know, the sage in the, in, in the arena, which, you know, we don't know We've never seen that before. So he's kind of been on his, he's lived on his own planet a little bit, but this might have been part of the plan or this might just have been Kyrie. So will he come back? I think he does come back. I think he plays well with them. He is the third wheel, 100%. I don't think that's even in question. You know, Shannon Sharp called him, if, if Katie's Batman and, and Harden is, is Robin, then Kyrie's Alfred the Butler. Out of pocket for that shit way out of pocket what do you gain from that you know like he's he's a far third (laughs) wheel right now so i think he does come back i think he's just you know doing his own thing we just recently i just recently read that he bought a house for george floyd's family so he's still very much invested in the community he really cares about stuff outside of basketball and now it's just a wonder as to how much he really cares about basketball i feel like there's this weird like vendetta between like the media and Kyrie irving I know that obviously with what's gone on with as a Cleveland Cavalier a few years ago 
with his bad breakup with LeBron James. Ever since that, I feel like the media has been just super unfair to Kyrie. I will say that Kyrie did influence that quite a bit with some of his antics. But again, when you actually look at look at it from a broad perspective, just what he's able to do from a community standpoint, I feel like doesn't get enough light. Like you mentioned with the purchasing of the of the home for George Floyd's family, as well as donating part of his salary to help WNBA players who sat out of games and didn't get paid as part of their fight for social injustice and um, other things. So those things don't come into light, but the only things that come to light is his belief in the earth being flat as well as other, you know, sage activities, which to him, like that's his culture. Now I like, I've heard part native American, if not fully from his mom's side. Of course. So, yeah. We're not downplaying again, that like, at all. Right? Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just talking about like how the media just tries to like, I guess, portray him as like a villain. Right. I get it. Yeah, there has to be some kind of obligation as a player signing a contract in order to fulfill your obligations as a basketball player, work on your side of the bargain. But at the same time, I'm like, this dude is putting a point whenever he's playing, right? Like, I look at his stats. He's averaging 26, 7, and 6. He's money. He's money. On the passenger seat rather being the driving seat of his career, right? So, obviously, his, his skill set is there. And when he's on the court, he cares. It's just a matter of, like I said, that that conspiracy theory that you mentioned isn't as far-fetched as people think it is, right? When, you know, a team like Houston is looking to acquire a superstar in return and not not being able to do so because other superstars are disengaged with their current franchises. And to wrap things all up, with Harden landing in with the Nets, that I feel like will bring Kyrie back from the sidelines onto the court. And then hopefully, you know, they still have tons of games left to build that camaraderie and that team chemistry in order to propel this team to win multiple championships for years to come they have to win multiple in order for this deal to be all worth it one is not enough absolutely so yeah, it is yeah. and so for, for, can i have the final word on the brooklyn nets because sure. it's kind of close to me um to quote a a, a wise man uh was uh masai ujiri f brooklyn all right so that takes care of our run that topic very brooklyn influenced the next segment that we're going to be discussing is our ao moment of the week ao what the i don't know yes and if you want to start off with your ao moment of the week or do you want me to take it yeah i'll I'll take it because it it plays off of james harden uh i think this moment was james harden's the, the the realization that James Harden wanted out of Brook, uh, out of Houston was this play. It was against the Los Angeles Lakers, the last game of his as a as a Houston Rocket. Uh, he had come off a pick from uh, Christian Wood, and Christian Wood had kind of uh, played off the ball. And John Wall was across the court on the other side, pointing to Christian Wood, saying, "Pass it the ball to Christian Wood. Pass the ball to Christian Wood." And Harden gets kind of locked up there. He, he picks up his dribble. And instead of turning around a pass it to Christian Wood, and instead of passing it to John Wall, he probably launches this pass, I want to say at least five or six feet behind John Wall. I, it literally looks like he throws the ball out of bounds, and John Wall has to run back <laughs> and chase it. Like, he has to sprint back and chase the ball so it doesn't go out of bounds. That was the moment, in hindsight, when I'm watching the game, I thought, okay, Harden has completely checked out. He literally threw the ball out of bounds and made... John Wall, go get it. 
he doesn't want to be a Houston Rocket anymore. And I'm looking at that. At the moment, this is before the trade happened. I'm going, A.O., man, like, like, are you kidding me? But now looking back, yeah, it, it makes sense now. That's my A.O. moment of the week. Look it up. It's Harden just throwing the ball right out of bounds and just saying, hey, you know what? You go take it. I'm done here. You know what's funny? That's something that I would do in a rec pickup session if I'm on, like, a <laughs> shitty team and I want out and I want someone else to pick me up. I would like completely sabotage passes because that's literally, I know exactly the play that you're referencing. He's completely sabotaging the team. And to be honest, as a fan, it was just so funny seeing that because I could relate to doing that in pickup sessions, right? I'd this be throwing the, the ball. you were talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like chucking up from half, doing all these crazy trick shots while knowing the fact that you have four other teammates to pass the rock to. So no, that was that was definitely pretty funny to say the least. Um, I have a couple of AO moment of the weeks that I want to discuss. The first one that I wanted to talk about was Ben Simmons' play against the Memphis Grizzlies, right? I know that we've discussed in our previous episodes in the past with regards to the critical progression of Ben Simmons and how he needs to be able to shoot the three ball and put the Sixers in the best position to come out of the east now that with Harden being in the east that's all up and up in the air right now but Ben Simmons a few days ago playing against the Memphis Grizzlies right there was countless plays where he actually taken threes mind you it was basically a rush shot as the shot clock was expiring and from the release it looked good right so I'm not going to fault him on that at least he's like taking the shot rather than just you know passing the ball to someone else to turn over the ball right with that being said, though, as you see the shot go up in the air, it's looking good, you know, not too bad. As it starts to drop, you start to see that the ball is literally dying five, six <laughs> feet away from the basket. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, okay, hey, maybe this is a one-off. Not only one three-point shot. His second three-point attempt was the exact same thing. And now I'm starting to realize and understand why he doesn't want to shoot threes. It's because he gets clowned for it every single time. Regardless, he played atrocious. Even with his playmaking ability, he was very indecisive against a young Memphis squad, which really puts into perspective if the Sixers are tru- like truly really have what it takes. And I frankly don't think that Ben Simmons has what it takes to put the Sixers in a position to succeed. So I don't know. It was a complete mess. I'm not sure if you saw that game, but you will definitely not miss those highlights on Instagram and all the other pages of, you know, Ben Simmons chucking up threes and ending up airballing them. I I, I don't get it. You're 6'10", should be able to hit the rim. I mean, for every Ben Simmons, we've hit a three-point shot alert that you get on Instagram, there should equally be Ben Simmons bricks a three-point shot. Out here shooting like Carlton from the Fresh Prince at half court, man. Just just hitting nothing. For real. And I saw a funny tweet on Twitter where someone said that LaMelo's progression in three weeks was greater than Ben Simmons in his four years in the NBA thus far. And that made me laugh because, you know, when you look at LaMelo Ball from his first game to now, like he is progressing at an alarming rate. Like he is going to, you could tell he has like stardom in his game, right? You know, being able to like not play fearless as a rookie. And then you look at a guy like Ben Simmons who, you know, has the tangibles to be a top 10 player in this league, then all of a sudden, you know, not have the confidence play play with fear i don't know it's just so weird and also being an all-star too like i don't know the sixers 
the verdict is definitely out on them. I don't see how people see them as a top three team in the East. Uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that, to be honest. I might take LaMelo Ball over Ben Simmons right now if I had to start a franchise. Hot take. Yeah, he, yeah no, well, not a hot take because I'm a BB, BBB guy. So for sure, I'm taking him before that. You <laughs> I'm taking him before Ben Simmons for sure. So. <laughs> Facts. But um, that was my first AO moment of the week. The second AO moment of the week was two pictures of James Harden pre and post flat tummy T diet. You look good. Right. You look good. So obviously we discussed where, you know, James Harden was in his, in his fat man suit warming up as his last game as a Houston Rocket. And then fast forward to his Nets debut wearing that black Nets warm up tee. Again, I do understand that black shirts make people look slimmer but it was just funny how people were clowning it on twitter knowing that okay this guy definitely did something to sabotage his way out of the houston rockets organization to land into a super team in brooklyn so but uh in other words um part of that amo of the week is his nets debut really of a 30 point triple double to me like that was pretty spectacular to say the least in my 22 years as an nba fan i never seen anything like it you know, someone coming into a new system and not only be able to drop 30. Dropping 30 is very special, you know, as part of your debut. But to do it in a, a fashion where you're dropping a triple-double is something else. Mind you, he was like two turnovers away from a quadruple double but I'm not going to hate at this point. This is his first game. You know, he's getting used to the system and whatnot. But it really puts into perspective how scary the Brooklyn Nets team will be once everything falls into place. So those are my two AO moments of the week. Do you have anything to add on that? I mean, they also played the Orlando Magic. Like, let's let's not crown them just yet. They played the Bucks tonight at the time of this recording. That's going to be a, a a test for them. Let's see them play. You know, some of these competitive teams first. You know, I definitely think that they'll be up there. But I mean, I'm not going to say that. You know, he he reinvented the wheel playing against the Orlando. But they almost lost that game. They they were down most of that game. Uh, so, but like, let's not forget they don't have depth either, right? So, <laughs> I didn't, they still don't have depth. Yeah, but wait, didn't didn't Orlando beat the New York Knicks recently? No, uh, the Knicks beat them today, MLK Day, in the matinee. Oh, just rhymed three times. There we go. Yes. Okay, it's, so, that's got bars. Let's just let's just call let's just call a spade a spade, man. The Knicks beat the Magic. Who are the Nets? All right, all right, that's fair, that's fair. Uh, I don't know when Brooklyn's next opponent, worthy opponent rather, is. They play Milwaukee uh, on Monday, which would be yesterday uh, if you're listening to this. You know, just looking forward to some games, segues to our next topic, which is games of the week. So do you have any games that you're looking forward to in mind that is worth noting at this point? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are looking at, to me... Uh, it's going to be a, a prove yourself uh, for Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks on Thursday night when they host the Los Angeles Lakers, the NBA champions. This yes, was what everyone yes. what everyone thought the finals uh, matchup would be. It wasn't. Uh, Giannis fell through. Now he has Drew Holiday. Now he re-signed that massive deal. Now there's no more excuses. We need to see Giannis dominate. We need to see him become and remain the best player in basketball. Uh, he needs to make, have a couple statement wins here. Uh, they are up in the standings. I believe they're the first, the first place in the Eastern conference, uh, which is good, good start, but they need to keep it going. They need to beat the stiffer competition. They need 
to really make a statement now. Everyone's talking about Brooklyn this, Brooklyn that. They need to come out there, punch LeBron in the mouth, and say, you know what? The Eastern Conference runs through Milwaukee. The Eastern Conference runs through the Greek Freak. Uh, they have a matchup with the defending champions. That's the perfect place to do it. Um, in prime time on TNT, that's where you do it. That was actually the game that I was looking into, January 21st, Lakers-Bucks, right? As you mentioned, these are two teams that were supposed to meet in the finals, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for the Bucks. The They're also the two teams, to me, that were the most productive during the last offseason to revamp their, their roster, so to speak. And just a little tidbit, I, I don't think people remember this, but the last time the Lakers were in Milwaukee was when Giannis erupted for five three-points, right? He hit five three-point shots and did the infamous gesture of crowning himself king, and boy, was he wrong. Oh, now, the Lakers, <laughs> now the Lakers are you know exponentially better. I want to see what LeBron will do knowing what's at stake, so I'm really looking forward to that game, that's for sure. Yeah, what about you? What's your what's your other game of the week? I know I stole yours, but you got to give me another one here. Yeah, um, my other game I would probably look into is the showdown between the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday. Miami hasn't really showed much this season, but I still think they do have the pieces to, you know, cause some noise in the East. But it's going to be cute only because the Brooklyn Nets, to me, are literally the heavy favorites. But again, you know, Miami always, you know, makes things tough for other teams defensively you know, the ability to switch all positions. And again, when you have a guy like Jimmy Butler on your team, there's always going to be some kind of grittiness that comes out of that game. I'm not too sure when Kyrie will come back, but I'm hoping that's the game that he slotted to come back. And regardless of what opponent the Brooklyn Nets will play, I feel like the next game that Kyrie does come back on the roster, I feel like that's the game to watch this week. So I'm hoping if there was one game this week that Kyrie comes back, it's against the Miami Heat. If not, then we're just going to have to wait until they play probably some weaker competition to get their juices flowing and get the team chemistry all wrapped up. So those are my two games. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, hopefully we don't have to talk about the Brooklyn Nets for a long time because this was a very heavy Brooklyn Nets episode. Uh, let's talk about them in April, May, June, and hopefully they're not in the conversation anymore. But if they are, then you know what? Then they would have proved us wrong. So, Yeah, agreed. Um, the one thing I really wanted to talk about, I'm um, just kind of going off topic here, but I started noticing – Jeremy Grant has been balling. I have no idea where this comes from. Like, I just, I don't know, every day I see, or every other day when I see the Pistons play, I see, like, their stats or, you know, the the final stat line, and he's, like, dropping, like, 25 and 9 rebounds casually. And I'm like, this dude really had it like that? I don't know about you, but I thought I thought it was a boost at first. But he's starting to show some consistency with these big numbers, don't you think? Oh, yeah, no. I mean, he's... He's really been a very underrated per, uh, player in the NBA. You know, we've talked about his defensive prowess, but now when you put him on a team like uh, Detroit, who doesn't really have much of a direction, doesn't have much of uh, many options to, to choose from, he's really getting his opportunity to shine. Uh, he's a lanky guy. He's, uh, he's very strong. Uh, he is a, the epitome of a 3 and D player. So to see him flourish is, is not much of a surprise. He, he's trying to earn every single penny on that contract that he signed. Right. He definitely allowing the, 
I guess, the the Pistons to really see that return on investment on that big deal that he signed. I thought that, it, to me, it wouldn't work knowing the fact that they signed not only Jeremy Grant, but they still have Blake Griffin. I believe they signed Mason Plumley, which to me, I don't get. And it's just like a log jam of bigs, but they seem to be able to make it work. So we'll see what happens with Detroit. But I feel like this this run will be a little cute and then they're going to just fall off right off the map. I'm not too sure if maybe Blake Griffin, as a result of Jeremy Grant's ascendance, might be put as part of a trade bait for other teams to pick up. But again, that contract that's is, is very hard to move off of, especially with Blake's uh, injury history. Hey, man, we first said that about Chris Paul and John Wall being out for two years. I, as soon as they were able to get their contracts off the books, I said anything is possible, to be honest. Again, I do understand, you know, Blake Griffin's health is definitely in question, his health history thereof. But I don't see why a team could try to, you know, take a flyer and see maybe they can be able to revive what's left of Blake Griffin if there is something left oh, to yeah. propel them to the next step. So oh, yeah, he's a baller still. I saw him play live last year with a shredded up knee and that game, that guy came out and just poured his heart out on the floor. Uh, they lost obviously, but he, he's still a baller free. My boy, Blake Griffin, put him on a championship team. Someone's got to take him on. You know, he doesn't deserve to have the rest of his career kind of disappear more than it already has in Detroit. Uh, he's a far cry from lob city. Uh, so I, I want to see Blake Griffin succeed. I'm, I'm a big Blake Griffin guy. Man, the Clippers did him dirty. I still can't forget that time where they signed him in free agency and they had like all the banners in Staples Center and they had a picture of him and they're like, hey, you're going to be one of those guys in Clippers history that's going to have like a banner up, maybe have their jersey retired. And, you know, that was like more than enough for Blake Irwin to be like, hey, let me just sign this massive deal with you guys. And then literally months later, get shipped off to the Pistons and you know, so I remember I remember the Clippers, you know, being the laughing stock as they usually are at that time. And um it's just sad to see the way Blake Griffin has has been treated. You know, I, I feel like it would be nice for him to get into a situation where he can show his elite talent at a more consistent level and obviously have a, a franchise that doesn't depend on him as much. And I feel like he's just been super relied upon and if he jumps onto a championship team where he could be like the third wheel or maybe even the fourth wheel that would uh, reflect positively towards his health and his long-term uh, health on the floor. So again, we're rooting for Blake Griffin. We'll see what happens. So the next topic we'll discuss is finally blog boy talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article. Yeah. Watch a basketball game. How about you write that? And we got two questions that we want to go over from, from our listeners here. The first question is, it's actually a pretty interesting question to say the least, but which fan base is the most annoying, right? So I have four options in which the listener has provided to us. The first option is old head Michael Jordan fans. Second, <laughs> Kobe fans. Third, bronze sexuals. And four, bandwagon Golden State fans during the dynasty. So I'll let you kick that off. Who do you think is the most annoying fan base? Wow. Wow. Wow, I feel like Kobe White right now. Wow, um, I that's a hard one. Those four fan bases suck. Uh, I can't even call them fan bases. Like that's really hard to choose from. Oh my gosh! You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate old head Jordan fans simply because you know Jordan's run was so sort of special. 
uh, and, you know, he, he retired and kind of came back and, you know, you don't see a lot of players who are a lot of fans rather, who are still necessarily fans of the Chicago bulls way after, you know, uh, Jordan retired. So I, I, I'll, I'll remove that one. The other three, golly, um, I'm going to, I, to me, it's a tie. It's a tie between Kobe fans uh, and those Golden State Warrior fans of, you know, the the dynasty. Now, why I say that, the, the Golden State fans were just absolutely insufferable because they knew nothing about Golden State prior to their first championship win. Uh, they knew nothing about any Golden State player before Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and then obviously Kevin Durant. And they rode this team like it was their ride or die. Like, like they built that, you know, arena out in Oakland. Like that, it was a very rough couple of years for us normal NBA fans who root for their team. Now you don't see a lot of them anymore, which is proves, you know, how sort of fickle their fanhood was because now that, you know, KD's gone, now that Clay's been out, you don't really hear a lot of noise from these Golden State fans. But I say it's a tie because those Kobe fans, listen, I love Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace, Kobe. It's been over almost a year since he passed, and it still sort of shocks me to think about. But he, his play really created this notion of really insufferable fans who just like cheering for success. I'd say most of the Laker fans in the world right now are not from California. You know, they're not. I know more Laker, quote unquote, Laker fans who are from other countries or from other states, you know, because they love Kobe Bryant. And and the fact that the Lakers have such a embarrassment of riches, like Kobe retired and then two years later, LeBron James joined. Like, what the heck? You know, we have, we, we're rooting yeah. for teams out here so who are who are busting our balls really to just try and be successful. And they bad for two years. So, you know, those guys who are still Laker, you know, they, they, they rock with the Lakers, you know, because of Kobe, like those ones are, are hard to, to get rid of. And, and the fact that their team is always going to be good. Like the Lakers will never really be horrible because they're, they have a good system there. It's a big city. It's a, you know, the franchise is, is magical and they have great ownership. So, those fans really get under my nerves too, but it's hard to top those Golden State fans. No, I definitely understand. I do agree from the perspective of the old head MJ fans. I don't blame them if people say that they're annoying, but the thing is people need to understand Michael Jordan was not only a basketball icon, but literally an international icon from a cultural standpoint too. You know, creating the Jordan brand shoe, you know, being that, you know, when you think of 90s, you think of MJ, right? So to me, I, you know, it's something that's been a part of my childhood. So, and then obviously watching the last part of his, I think his second three-peat, like the tail end of that, you know, to me is like nostalgia, right? Like it's something that will always um, stay with me as a basketball fan for life. Um, so I'm going to leave them aside. Kobe fans, they don't really annoy me outside of the fact that they dropped 81 points on the Raptors and they always bother me about that being a Raptors fan. But Kobe fans, the reason why I don't mind them is because with Kobe staying on the Lakers, 
all Kobe fans are Lakers fans, right? So I don't see the the team hopping that you see with, let's say, LeBron, where, you know, I'm talking to a LeBron fan, you know, one day he's rocking Cavaliers gear, the next year he's rocking Miami Heat gear, the next year he's rocking LA gear. And to me, that bothers me more than like anything else being a fan, right? Because when I think of being a fan, I take the player out of it. I think of being a fan of the actual team going through the ups and downs. I understand people, you know, I can't really dictate as to, you know, oh, you can't be a player fan. I'm just saying from my point of view, being a fan is, you know, rooting for a team when they're down, rooting for a team when they're up, not joining other teams and other franchises. I feel like being an NBA fan, part of that is just enjoying the ride, right? And I can use myself as an example, being a Raptors fan. There has been a lot of bad years that I've watched as a Raptors fan and some good years, right? But the fact that they won the championship in 2019 tasted so good considering the struggles I've gone through being a Raptors fan, seeing guys like Rafael Rujo, Andrea Bregnani, you know, <laughs> you know, and having, and then like having to buy a Hito Turkoglu jersey when he signed that five-year, sixty million dollar deal with us oh, as no. the best free agent that we've signed in franchise history up to that point. What the f- is you doing? So, you know, being able to overcome all that to win a championship, it just as a fan, it just it's so it's so exhilarating. So that's why I don't hate on Kobe fans because at least I know that they only root for LA Lakers. And a lot of them actually stuck through the period in which LA was terrible, even with Kobe there. Right. So I rate that as for bronze sexuals, obviously I have, you know, a resentment for these group of folks, right. What LeBron James has done to the Toronto Raptors franchise Similar to that of how Tom Brady destroys my Buffalo Bills when he was in the AFC East. You know, I, you know, these guys are great players, great for the game, great athletes, but I just cannot stand them. So that's why I have that resentment towards both those players. Primarily, if we're talking about basketball, it's LeBron James. And, you know, again, when it comes back to being a fan, hopping from team to team to team, I, I can't even keep track as to what jerseys and what hats and what memorabilia they're wearing because... You know, they're they're players that they're following can't make up their mind, right? So I'll just leave it at that. You know, let I'll, I'll let them be happy. You know, it's 2021. I'm gonna start off as a you know positive vibes only. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, bronze sexuals are definitely up there. But I do agree with you with regards to the bandwagon Golden State fans during the dynasty. Us being quote unquote old heads, right? Watching see the we believe. You know, remembering Run DMC. You know, it's just clips of that back in the day. With the Golden State Warriors, I actually have a funny story. So, summer 2019, I, I go visit Los Angeles, and the first one of the first few things I wanted to do was go to Venice Beach, right? Try to try to hoop there. I know there's always some. Sometimes there's athletes or stars that pop up there. I'm like, you know what? Let me try to see if I can get a run with an M- NBA player that might be in the area. So I get there, and someone told me that the White Hat, you just missed the White Howard by like two hours. He was there hooping, chilling with the guys. And I'm like, what? Imagine like throwing a lobs to D12. Like that'd be crazy, right? But um, I was on the side, I was, I was on the other side of the court warming up and the Raptors are just fresh off winning a championship. So I made myself, you know, wear all kinds of memorabilia. So I wore my red North Kawhi jersey, which you got for me thankfully Mm -hmm. so i'm wearing that jersey warming up and this kid comes up to me and he's like hey we don't like you guys around here and i'm like 
what are you talking about? And mind you, this kid is maybe like four foot tall, 12 years old, like midget. And he was like, I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, explain yourself. And he's like, we don't rate Kawhi here. I'm like, why? He's like, oh, he didn't sign with us. And I'm like, what do you mean us? I'm wearing this jersey because he won a championship. I appreciate that. But again, I'm not trying to argue with a 12-year-old kid. So I just let him be. But I went up to him and I said, by the way, who do you root for? And he's like, I root for the Golden State Warriors. And I'm like, have a good day, kid. Here's, oh, here's a couple of bills. Go get yourself a popsicle. Go enjoy yourself, man. Like, you don't know anything about basketball, man. I'm like, it was just so funny just knowing that, you know, these kids have, again, I don't blame them because that's probably the first thing that they see is like this dynasty. But like the fact that they're, you know, they're talking greasy and stuff. It's just so funny to me, right? And that's just only a testament to just like a kid. Imagine like grown men who you know, just hopped on the bandwagon because, oh, they see Steph and Clay, and, you know, all the records and, you know, that they shattered with the three-point shot, but then not knowing Jason Richardson, Stephen Jackson, Baron Davis, you know, Andre Brindrins, you know, like, Beatrice, like, man, there's so many players that we can name that, like, they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, it just goes to show that, you know, those are the two fan bases that I really find annoying, but at the end of the day, man, I'm just going to let them be. Can we talk about how a couple of weeks ago, you said you wanted Golden State to come back and compete and and to be relevant again. And you just told me that story. Come on, yeah. man. Hey, hey there's come a difference on. between there's a difference between watching quality of basketball and then dealing with delusional ass fan. Like when you look at Golden State Warriors and the way they play, it's always fun, regardless of who their fan base is. You know, you're not gonna tell me that you're not gonna like tune in when the Golden State Warriors with Steph and Clay are playing. You're not gonna tune in. Yeah, get get them out of here, man. Get no, no man. No. Okay, 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 you know what? You know what? This is why I hate dealing with Knicks fans. You'd rather watch that bullshit product than watch elite basketball. Like that it, it is what it is at the end I'm, of the day. I'm that, tired of watching happy, I'm tired of watching elite basketball. No, make room for new teams, man. Get them out of here. And all the fans they can go with them too. You're bugging, you're bugging, you're bugging. At the end of the day, when the Golden State Warriors are good, I'm, I don't care about the fans. I care about the fact that, you know, we're watching good product. No, no one's watching Knicks games. Everyone's going to be watching Golden State games at the end of the day. So it is what it is. Even right now, like, I'll still watch Golden State Warriors. I'm not going to watch Julius Randle dribble for, like, 24 seconds and chuck up a three-point shot. All right, all right, all right. Enough with the Julius Randle slander. This guy's an MVP right now. Okay, you know, you know what? I'm not going to lie. You know what? I'm not going to lie. Julius Randle's been balling. Like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just hating because I have a few Knicks fans of mine, friends of mine that are Knicks fans, Shout out and to yeah, they've been they've been messaging me saying how irresponsible and unfair I am in my critique against Julius Randle. But at the end of the day, I've seen him play as as a Laker, see him as a Nick, and all I can say is, for you, Yazin, I still think you can average maybe eighty percent of the numbers that he's averaging right now. Sign me up. Yeah, you can spin, you can dribble the ball for 23 out of the 24 seconds of the shot clock while you got Austin Rivers open on the corner three. Like, you can, you can do whatever you want, man. This is unbelievable. Move to the next question. All right, so speaking of which, when we're talking about Golden State, the next question is, is this the year that Steph Curry's career could be either solidified or stained? So elaborating on that, basically, can Curry solidify his career by proving that he could be a winner without an elite scorer on his side knowing that clay is injured and his second best player right now is andrew wiggins is he able to take it to the next level 
And maybe I can start off with, with this answer. So to me, as we see over the history of the NBA, lots of superstars were able to propel their teams on their own to the playoffs. I feel like Steph Curry somehow gets the pass for some reason. And, you know, when he can't do it on his own, right? He He's already missed the playoffs a few times, mind you. He's had his injuries, and prior to that, prior to the dynasty, he wasn't really like that. You know what I mean? He was a great, he was a good shooter, but he wasn't to his MVP level that he was prior to that, right? But if other players like Chris Paul, LeBron, when he was younger, able to bring subpar teams to the playoffs, Curry should be able to do as well if he's considered a superstar. I feel like the same criticism should be applied to all superstars as well as MVPs to bring their, their teams at least to the playoffs. Mind you, if they don't have championship aspirations, that's fine. But to be able to get them to the dance, I feel like should be the bare minimum as a, a criteria to still maintain that superstar status. So what do you think about that? Okay, I don't I don't know who asked this question. Um, I respect you for, for sending questions in. Thank you very much for being a valued listener. Um, but please, for, for next time, Never send a stupid question like this ever again to this podcast. Um, does Steph Curry need to solidify his stat? No, he doesn't need to solidify his status. Steph Curry is one of the greatest NBA players of all time already. He's already the greatest shooter of all time. No one comes a close second. He's a former MVP, former NBA champion. Let, let, me, let me ask this listener a question of my own. Which superstar has won a championship fully on their own? Don't worry, I'll wait. LeBron? No, but we're, no. we're MJ? No, but the thing is, though, Kobe? The thing is, though, we're talking about playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. He couldn't even get the Warriors to the playoffs, man. Like, man. not once. And Chris oh, Paul was oh. able to do that with the baby Thunder. Nah, man, come on, bro. Like, you gotta, you gotta have some. I understand he's 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 the greatest shooter of all time. He's a superstar. He's an MVP. But something's gotta give when you set the bar for superstars to be to be able to bring their teams to the playoffs. And he always gets the pass. I don't know. I feel like it's cause to pause. We're not we're not talking about the playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? We're not talking about the playoffs here. We're talking about a guy who can take who was part of probably the biggest part of taking his team to the NBA Finals and winning the NBA Finals. Like it, it's 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 not. What would we be saying if he got the team to the playoffs and then lost? Oh, he's not good enough to you know to really you know take him to the next level, or or oh, he didn't make the play. Like it's it's the same. No, not really. I I no. If he made the playoffs, I'd be pretty impressed. He took Andrew Wiggins to the playoffs. Like to me, that's a bigger deal. <laughs> like you know, it, it's just I don't know. It's just when I see Chris Paul at like 35 years old, take Shia Alexander and Andre Robertson to the playoffs. That, that's something to be accounted for. Like, I don't know why I get it. Steph Curry is the poster boy of the NBA. He doesn't really get the same criticisms as any other superstar in this league. And that's a fact. But again, we're, what would happen? Let me ask you, what would happen if he didn't make the playoffs right now? Would you say that he's, he's not great? He's not one of the all-time best? No, I wouldn't say that. He never proved the ability to bring a team on his own to the playoffs like any other superstar has done. Uh, besides LeBron, who are we really talking Kobe about? Took, Kobe took Smush Parker to the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Okay, to the playoffs, and then he lost. But then what yeah, did he need to bring at least he like at least he was able to bring them to the playoffs. That's that, that's what I'm trying to get at. Is that like when you're a superstar, there's a certain expectations that you need to set. 
in order to maintain that level of superstardom. Like I, like I said, I'm bringing it back to the Chris Paul. If Chris Paul can bring the Oklahoma City Thunder to the playoffs, what makes you think that a Golden State Warriors team with Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, James Wiseman, Kelly Oubre, and others can't make the at least, at least the playing tournament? We, we've seen a lot of people bring bad teams to the playoffs and it doesn't make them great players. It doesn't, it does, it's inconsequential. You make the playoffs as an eight seed, as a seven seed, and you get washed in the first round. It doesn't make you any better. And that's why, and that's why they go to other teams. That's why they hop to other teams. They're able to prove it on their own that they brought them to the playoffs. Now it's, it's exactly how LeBron, he, LeBron was able to bring this team to crap ass Cavaliers to the playoffs every year, but he couldn't get, couldn't get it done, but he was still considered a great player. But there was still that stain that's saying like, Hey, you know, he still needs to be able to win a championship. But now looking back, it's like, yo, like it's actually impressive that he was able to do that as a, as a superstar. So to me, Curry hasn't done that yet. I feel like that's one of the small tidbits. Again, it's not a big deal. I still think he's great, but people are always going to look at the fact that Curry wasn't able to muster not even one playoff spot or one playoff berth with, without a superstar. I'd, I'd, argue, superstar. I'd argue he did that in the infancy of Clay Thompson's career when Clay Thompson was in his first or second year. Clay Thompson wasn't a superstar right out the gate. He wasn't uh, the Clay Thompson of the championship dynasty in 2012 and 2013. He took him to the playoffs, though. They got washed in the first round, I believe, by the Denver Nuggets, if I'm not mistaken, in 2013. He took him to the playoffs. That was on his back. There was no Draymond. There was no KD. It was him and infant, like a, a you know, a, a baby Clay Thompson and Andrew Bogut. And he took him to the playoffs. But now we're, we're, we're back again talking about if he's not great. Come on, man. He's great. He is great. No, he is great. I'm saying he is. I'm not. I'm not debating that he's not great. I'm just saying that people are always gonna use that as as a critique against him, right? And like I said, Clay Thompson in 2015 is still the second best player in the on this Golden State Warriors team. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. We can't say that Andrew Wiggins is that guy that Clay Thompson was back in 2015 or 2014, rather, when they when they made the players and got washed. Right, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not arguing that. But he, but Steph Curry did take that team there. So people who are saying this is a stain on his career if he can't take these scrubs to the to the playoffs. No, man, come on. Like his 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 legacy is solidified. He's he he's wrapped up. He doesn't need to play another game in the NBA to solidify his place in the Hall of Fame as one of the greats. This is ridiculous. We, we, yeah, no, I, I don't agree. I think layman's fans will think, oh, if he doesn't make the playoffs, so, you know, he's not great without. No, 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 no. Steph Curry is what he is. He's the best shooter of all time. He doesn't need to prove anything else to anyone. Uh, and I, I, I will firmly stand behind that. And I'm not even a Golden State fan, but I'm just in, in awe of Steph Curry and, and what he's done in the NBA. Again, I know he's great and he's always going to be great. Right. But I do see the argument that people might pull that Steph Curry doesn't get as criticized as other superstars and other MVPs of the past. And I feel like that is something that needs to be uh, shed to light. I'm just arguing in that sake. And I 100 percent see that. It is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) All right. So one thing that I do learn from this conversation is that Yezin is definitely a closet Golden State Warriors fan. Get out of Mind here. you, a Curry sexual, but uh, we'll, oh we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> How dare you? We'll, we'll, th- we'll think about it. He was supposed to go to the New York Knicks, but who did you guys take? Um, Jordan I forget. Hill. 
Oh, out brutal, of Arizona. Brutal. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. All right, well, <laughs> I got to be banned from talking about the Knicks for, like, a week or so. For the I, amount of slander, I co-sign this. I, I we need we need a uh, uh, like a swear jar, but it's a Knicks jar. For every time you mention them, you need to you need to put money in that jar. And at the end of the day, we're gonna have to give it away to somebody because this, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'm gonna give you one month of no Knicks slander. So I, Fata, solemnly swear that I will not slander the Knicks for four weeks. And what today is the the seventeenth, eighteenth, eighteenth. February 18th, I'm back on your head tops. Whoa. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll see how so you this better goes. prove me wrong. You better be able to steer up some kind of like. I don't give you two weeks. Game winning streak. <laughs> you won't last two weeks, son. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, let's wrap this up. Once again, thanks for tuning into our episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Game Point Pod on IG and Game Point Pod underscore on Twitter. We're both on Spotify and Apple. Add reviews if you can. That'll be greatly appreciated. Is there anything you'd like to add, Yazin? F Brooklyn. Oh, my God. Look at these haters. All right. With that said, we'll end it off. That's game.